with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. It's the Monday edition, Echo unavailable this morning, but we do have a special show lined up. And we're going to start off with a a new program here on 93.1 that will be running on Monday evenings at 11 uh, from this point forward from the Community Radio Fund of Canada. This is Viewpoints. Hello and welcome to this new edition of Viewpoints. My name is Boris Chassain. I'll be with you for the next half hour. On today's Viewpoints... Wake up and smell the coffee and you could well be buying the company. That's what happened to a couple who fell in love with the local roastery on Cortez Island. They are now the proud owners of Becca's Beans in British Columbia. We were at the Gorge Harbor Resort and I ordered a cup of coffee from the food truck and it stopped me in my tracks. I thought, this is the best coffee I've had in a long, long time. And I asked the guy, what is it? And he goes, oh, it's, it's drip coffee. And I said, no, no, what, what coffee is this? He goes, it's Becca's Beans. We'll stay on Canada's west coast where humpback whales have been making an impressive comeback over the past 40 years. The theory is they like the food, but at the same time, killer whales remain an endangered species. Climate changes could be responsible. When you take the ferry to Cortez Island, you can actually see the whales feeding in the summertime in our waters. 15 years ago, you would have never seen a humpback. And in New Brunswick, the Wallace Nation has filed a new title claim. Several major corporations are named as defendants, as well as the provincial and federal governments. Let me speak to New Brunswickers who have homes on our traditional land. The Wallisticway Nation does not want to displace you from your homes. And while we are only seeking the return of specific parcels, we maintain our claim to Aboriginal title to all of our traditional territory. This and more on Viewpoints. Follow us on Twitter at CanadaLJI. Listen to all our news online at canada-invo.ca. So Bickers Beans is a local coffee business started by Becky and Scott Houston in 2008. It is now in the care of Doug and Melanie McCaffrey. The couple moved to Cortez Island from Central Saanich earlier this year. They are overwhelmingly pleased with the warm welcome they received, as well as the wild beauty of the new island. Cortez is located off the coast of British Columbia. It's only 25 kilometers long, 13 kilometers wide. It has a population of 1,035 permanent residents. Our journalist on Cortez Island, Anastasia Avakumova, met with the daring couple, Doug and Melanie McCaffrey. I'd like to start by asking what brought you to Cortez. It might have been the coffee. <laughs> well, a number of things, actually. We've always loved the area. And earlier this summer, we were at the Gorge Harbor Resort, and I ordered a cup of coffee from the food truck. And it stopped me in my tracks. I thought, this is the best coffee I've had in a long, long time. And I asked the guy, what is it? And he goes, oh, it's, it's drip coffee. And I said, no, no, what, what, what coffee is this? He goes, it's Becca's Beans. And that's what really started the ball rolling. We discovered that um, the owners of Becca's Breen, Scott and Becky, were ready to make a big change in their life. And uh, the roastery was available. And we looked into it further. And here we are, roasting coffee in paradise. Personally, I think we were also looking for a quieter lifestyle at this point in our lives, slower paced, that kind of thing. So we found the ideal place, I think. So it sounds like you're enjoying it so far. Oh, it's just so fantastic to be here. It really is. And we've met so many wonderful people. 
that are so welcoming and so friendly. And just being away from the rat race of Victoria has been really nice. We've really, really calling it home now already. The couple moved here from central Saanich at the end of October, and their very first few days on the island coincided with a marathon power outage. That was our big welcome. <laughs> Got a two and a half days of no power. It was the movers leaving, driving down the highway, and the, the lights went out for three days. So here we were with all these unpacked boxes. Didn't even know where our toothbrushes were. <laughs> it was a good initiation. But it's been smooth sailing since then. Everybody's been so helpful and very, very welcoming. We're just thrilled that we be part of this community. What we love about it is, you know, Cortez has traditionally, historically, been a working island, which really suits us. Not that we really want to kind of cut back on the work aspect of life, but, you know, everybody just seems so involved in different projects, and everybody seems busy but at a very good pace, which really suits us as well, and hopefully we can contribute to that. And we decided, you know, I think the world right now needs a good cup of coffee and love sweet love. So hopefully we can provide both. Had you had previous experience with coffee in the commercial sense? None. Well, no, don't say that. We've had years and years of experience enjoying coffee, like pretty much everybody. <laughs> But uh, part of the transition was training in the roastery, a very intensive training by probably the best teacher we could ever ask for, and that was Becky and Scott. I think we've got it down pat. We've been asking people for feedback. It's all been very good so far. So had you known Scott and Becky prior to this? We had met them first in the summertime. I came out for some initial training on, in the roastery, and uh, it was like a working holiday, really. It was so much fun working with those two, and we became actually really, really good friends. So we do supply, I think, most of the major grocery stores, like the co-op and the markets. And the gorge. And But we do have some who buy it privately, just what they like and what they need. So we've got a good mix there, I think. And people have been asking for custom blends as well. And with Christmas coming, things are heating up in the roastery. <laughs> well, it sounds like it's keeping you busy, and I'm sure it's also fascinating just to learn everything. Yeah, coffee roasting, we were finding, really is a blend of art and science. It's fascinating. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. So I'm more of the science person, so I've been researching and learning all about the grades and the blends and the quality and all that stuff. And Doug is the artist. He is. He's the one that does the roasting, and he can get creative with that, with temperature and time and stuff, and he's good at that. So it took us a little while to straighten out how we were going to work together and who does what better, but I think we've got it done. So I'm the science girl, and he's the artist. Do you think you're going to keep the name? I would like to keep the name, that's for sure, because it's pretty special, and it's got quite a legacy attached to it. Yeah, you know, people are familiar with the name. I can't see any making any changes there. Maybe a little bit of eventually rebranding. Yeah, I don't see any real reason to change too many things right off the bat anyway. Quite often people become a little dislodged when they reach for their favorite product and something's changed and uh, we don't want to be the new Coke, that's for sure. <laughs> They're considering expanding their distribution area. We've had a little bit of interest from London Powell River. I know Becky hasn't really sold her beans off the island at all, Becky and Scott, but we're, you know, with the new water taxi going over to London, we're kind of looking into exploring, dropping off some beans on the mainland, at least around London, Campbell River anyway, because they need coffee too. <laughs> <laughs> yep, coffee powers the people. <laughs>
Well, I'd love to also hear about your backgrounds. Just from what you mentioned in our emails, it sounds like there's so much fascinating stuff that you're bringing with the U2 Cortez. Well, as a young girl, I spent all my summers when I wasn't in school on a farm, a working farm. But I really have always loved gardening and just getting my hands dirty. You know what I mean? was a caregiver at one point and then moved to a farm market and worked there and loved it. Had a garden at my old home and absolutely loved it. So it's wonderful to be here and have a garden and be able to grow things. You may want to mention, too, that you have... Uh soap-making skills, and you're also a herbologist and an aromatherapist. Yeah, and I'm just looking into trying to replace some of the medicinal herbs that I did grow when we were in a central sandwich because I don't see a lot in the garden here. We've been so busy learning in the roastery, and we're still trying to unpack. <laughs> so, you know, we're kept busy with that. But I do plan to stretch my wings on that and meet people who are into uh, herbology and aromatherapy as well. And Doug, yours is film. Yeah, I also restore and, and scan motion picture film. I'm just reinventing my studio here right now. It, there used to be a couple of pottery kilns, but now there's going to be some uh, film activity going on in that studio. I'm chomping at the bit to get going on that. You know, by the way, there's like millions of cans of film around the world that really does need help. And it's just a matter of time before this film disintegrates and become unwatchable and disappear. And I think that's a legacy that we should maintain. We've got a strong film heritage in this country and around the world. And I'm just doing my part to keep film alive. You've been listening to an interview with Doug and Melanie McCaffrey, who are the new owners of Becca's Beans on Cortez Island. Studies published by the BC Cetacean Sightings Network indicates humpback whales have been making an impressive comeback in the North Pacific Ocean over the past 40 years, but the network also says the resident killer whale population in the region remains endangered with only 74 animals. This is due mainly to motor vessel noise and contaminants found in their preferred food, Chinook salmon, that are also in decline. Reporter Greg Osoba speaks with Cortis Island naturalist and guide George Sirk and Friends of Cortis Island Society Board Chair Max Thaysen about their observations on the species shift. A current report from the BC Cetacean Sightings Network says humpback whales have made an impressive comeback in the North Pacific Ocean over the past 40 years. From a population of just 1,400 in the mid-1960s to a current estimate of 18 to 20,000 according to the network. Sightings have become common in the North Salish Sea, also known as the Strait of Georgia. According to Cortez Island naturalist guide George Cirque, the Cetacean Sightings Network also says the resident southern killer whale population remains endangered with only 74 animals, due mainly to motor vessel noise and contaminants found in their preferred food, Chinook salmon, which the network says are also in decline. According to naturalist Cirque, the species shift is all about food. When you take the ferry to Cortez Island, you can actually see the whales 
feeding in the summertime in our waters. It's, it's, and 15 years ago, you would have never seen a humpback. But now, the whole of Salish Sea, all the way down, has humpback whales, and they're feeding uh, primarily on herring. So my theory as to why the whales have come back is because the salmon population has dropped. So there's more food around for the whales. And, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. And so you have the whales arriving here and they go, look at all the feed here. You've got anchovies, you've got herring. And so they're feeding there in these waters and gorging themselves on these fish. Cirque regularly observes and reports on marine life in the Salish Sea and says along with the whale species shift, a new seabird is on the scene. In October, when I was in the Discovery Passage between Quadra and Campbell River, there were shearwaters. I've never seen shearwaters in the Salish Sea, a.k.a. the Georgia Strait, ever in over 50 years of birding. This bird is related to the albatross, long, narrow wings, flap, flap, glide. They they cruise the oceans. The sooty shearwater flies, get this, 40,000 kilometers in a year. They nest in the South Pacific Islands, and they do a giant figure eight. They go off towards South America, and then diagonally across the whole Pacific Ocean to Japan, Alaska, come down our coast and go diagonally across to Australia and the South Pacific again. And, like the humpbacks, there's one thing drawing this new species to the Salish Sea. And why are they here? Because of the food. Right? Once again, leading back. So as the salmon population has been decreasing, I believe all these other small fish, your herrings, your anchovies, their population's gone up. Like I was watching off the ferry and I could see clouds of fish in the water. So these birds being opportunistic, they've come down in the inside between Vancouver Island and the mainland and they've come down here because of the food. So it's not all doom and gloom. You know, all oh, the salmon are all dying off. Ah, but the herring are doing well, and so are the shearwaters. Max Tyson, chair of the conservation and education organization Friends of Cortez Island, has concerns. When I read about expert takes on what's happening in the Salish Sea from people who incorporate a climate change analysis into their work, I'm super concerned. I've personally interviewed you know, shellfish disease researchers who describe some pretty significant events from just the temperature of the ocean changing over the last decade or two and how that sort of spells the end of the ocean as, we, as we've known it and as it's been known for the last at least tens of thousands of years, maybe hundreds of thousands of years. Tyson says it's important to pay attention.
is happening, has happened, happens all the time, and is a, is a force that we need to use research and, and experts and stories to really combat. From an environmental conservation perspective, Tyson believes collective action is needed. I have recently been unlearning the habit of thought that my personal choices and decisions have a great bearing on on how the world turns out and I'm realizing that I lost a lot of years focusing on that and that and now I think that you know collective action for change and holding decision makers accountable and demanding a transparent and open government and demanding a, an actually functioning democratic system um, are probably the most important things that we can do. Greg Osoba, CKTZ News, Cortez Island. It's the first segment of Viewpoints here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. You're listening to After 9, back with more in a moment. Hi, Tim Yule here, host of Live from the Q3, a showcase of live music from artists from in and around the Prince George area. You heard that right. We have live music here every Wednesday night starting at 8 o'clock and then rebroadcast at 11 p.m. on Fridays. You can also listen to our archive performances on the CFIS website anytime. If you're anything like me, I think you're ready for some live and local music. Join me Wednesdays at 8 o'clock and then again Friday at 11 p.m. for Live in the Q3, only from 93.1 CFIS, Prince George's Community Radio Station. Are you or your team struggling to grow your sales? Hi, it's Norm Adams here from Pivot Leader in Prince George. Sales can be an easy, low-paying job, or it can be the most challenging, rewarding, and high-paying profession. Really, it's up to you. At Pivot Leader, we work with sales professionals who are committed to developing their skills. After only eight months of workshops and coaching, our students have increased sales by 40% or more. If you'd like some help getting your team to the next level, get in touch today. Email me, norm, at pivotleader.com, or visit our website, Pivot leader.com. The Q3 Creative Business Hub is now open for space rentals at Quebec and 3rd. Rent a 100-square-foot office for as low as $470 a month, Wi-Fi included. Just need a desk to get out of the house? Use one in our open office environment for $260 a month, $160 for occasional drop-ins, or just $20 a day. For more information, email q3building at gmail.com. Q3 Creative Business Hub, open for desk and office rentals at Quebec and 3rd. Forecast from Environment Canada for today's sunny, wind from the north of 20K gusting to 40, a high of 9. Tonight clear, gusting north winds becoming late this evening, a low of minus 4. On Tuesday sunny, becoming a mix of sun and cloud near noon, wind from the southeast at 20, and a high of 11. It's after 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. And now part 2 of this week's Viewpoints. We're now tuned into New Brunswick, where the Lustica First Nation announced a precedent-setting legal action in the province. The nation has filed a title claim, which names several major corporations, mostly forestry companies, as defendants, along with the provincial and federal governments. The new claim replaces one filed last year. The companies named in the claim include J.D. Irving Limited, Irving Oil, MB Power, Acadian Timber, Twin Rivers Paper, 
Draper, H.J. Crables and Son, and DEV Group as defendants. New Brunswick Premier Blaine Higgs says, questioned by the CBC, if we're going to have real truth and reconciliation going forward on all issues, we need to understand exactly what our obligations are. It seems that it's only going to be accomplished through legal process, said Higgs. Other company officials refuse to comment on the claim, which is based on peace and friendship treaties signed by the Wollastoke and the British Crown between 1725 and 1778. More with Erica Butler, our journalist and producer of the Tantramar Report based in Sackville. She met with Patricia Bernard, chief of the Matawask First Nation. The Wollastoke are seeking a declaration of Aboriginal title to about 5 million hectares of their traditional lands and also compensation from the Crown for allowing commercial operations on that land. Here's Chief Patricia Bernard of Madawaska First Nation. These corporations have benefited tremendously off of land that was given to them that they had no right to give. The Crown had no right to give that land. And so, and they paid either nothing for it or a small, like, consideration fee, and that was it. So that's not fair. Um, New Brunswickers who have paid for their property with fair market value, but, you know, by all means, they should be able to enjoy what they've paid for. But these corporations not only got the land for free, they benefited immensely from it. So this is why we have to we have to name them. And these these few companies make up one fifth of of the, the territory that we're seeking. That's that's just tremendous. That's huge. That's a million, close to a million hectares. Let me speak for a minute to New Brunswickers who have homes on our traditional lands and who rightfully have many questions about this development. While we are seeking title to our territory, the Wallistiquay Nation does not want to displace you from your homes. The only private landowners we are trying to get land back from are these six, J.D. Irving Limited, A.V. Group, Acadian Timber, Twin Rivers Paper, H.J. Crab and Sons, and Envy Power. If you're not one of these companies, you have nothing to worry about. If the Attorney General or the Premier try to say otherwise, no, it's not true. And understand, it is actually the private interests of Irving and other corporations they are protecting. Don't let them mislead you. Joining the Chiefs at the news conference Tuesday was Aboriginal rights lawyer Renee Pelletier, who spoke to the uniqueness of the new land claim. I'm not aware of any other Aboriginal title claim that uh, is quite exactly like this one. Of course, they're all, they're all different because they're unique in their circumstances. Um, I think the, the notion of um, seeking land uh, in a claim and a defendant being able to rely on the fact that they have paid, you know, fair market value for that land is not something that is new. Um, and so that is why in, in this case, the only people that are being, the only companies that are being named by the Willistiquay chiefs in this new action uh, focus on those companies that have not, that can't benefit from that defense, that can't uh, that have not paid market value for their land. So that sort of concept at law is, is not new. Um, I think what is unique about New Brunswick is that unlike the decision that we saw um, by the Silco team several years ago in British Columbia, New Brunswick, you know, that, that territory was vastly unoccupied. 
um, lots of crown land, not really third party interests in their territory. And so that could be sort of more clean cut. In New Brunswick, the situation is very different. There's very little crown land back. And so if the holistic way were limited to only seeking back crown land, they would have very little return to them. And so as they've mentioned, they're not seeking to displace people who have paid good money for their homes, for their farms, et cetera. But those companies that have, you know, 20% of their claimed territory um, and have received that land for free, um, that is rightfully belongs to the Wallistique. And so, you know, perhaps in that sense, it's a bit of a precedent. Um, but I, I think that it's, uh, it's, a, it's a question of fairness. The chiefs also addressed what would happen in the event of a legal win for their claim, saying that forestry and other operations could continue, but with input from the Wallistique Nation. The chiefs repeatedly mentioned their duty and commitment to stewardship of the lands. We have the responsibility to look after this land. We have the responsibility to make sure that it's sustainable for the next seven generations to come. That's our, that's our duty. That's our responsibility. We may have rights, but we have more responsibilities than we do rights. Chief Bernard acknowledged that the process would take decades to work its way through the courts as did the smaller land claim settled by the province and the Madawaska First Nation. We settled a specific land claim in our community that I started in 1998. And it's taken um, decades to get it done, but it's just all about not giving up. And we're, this, is not, this isn't my first rodeo, so to speak. And I'm prepared to see this through, as I'm sure as all the other chiefs are, because it's it's what's right. It's justice. It's the truth. And and that's what keeps us going. That was Madawaska First Nation Chief Patricia Bernard speaking at a news conference after announcing a new land claim on behalf of the Wallistigwe Nation, which seeks to establish Aboriginal title to 5 million hectares of land in New Brunswick and names the provincial and federal governments, as well as a number of major corporations as defendants. CFIS FM. You're listening to Viewpoints, a new program we're going to be running on Monday evenings at 11 every week here on Prince George's Community Station. We'll have the final segment of this week's show in a moment here on After 9. This year's UBC Run and Ride for Rural Medicine is taking place virtually through the month of March. Join in on the fun weekly challenges to win some great prizes. The annual fundraiser is organized by a team of medical students from UBC's Faculty of Medicine to support equitable access across Canada. For more information and registration, visit support.hopeair.ca slash UBC. Entirely virtual, the 2022 UBC Run and Ride for Rural Medicine through the end of March. College of New Caledonia Community and Continuing Education has the training you need to pivot in your career. Go beyond the basics, build up your strength, and become familiar with more advanced features in Excel with Microsoft 365 Excel Next Level Online Boot Camp. This two-evening camp runs May 4th and 5th from 6 to 9 at a cost of $149 plus fees and textbooks. Contact Community and Continuing Education at CNC for more information. Registration deadline is April 27th. The Prince George Potter's Guild is pleased to be adding a single evening class to its schedule, Try It Nights. 
Join the guild for a two-hour session led by a skilled instructor who will help you explore the basics of throwing on a potter's wheel. The first try at night is April 6th from 7 to 9 with Natalie Breckis. Cost is $50 and includes Clude's clay, glaze, and firing for one bowl. Visit the PG Potter's Guild classes link under programs at studio2880.com today so you don't miss out. Make 2022 meaningful. Join Minerva BC's high-impact leadership programs. Emerging Leaders is a part-time development program designed to help new managers make the transition from individual contributor to effective leader. Starting April 6th, Emerging Leaders will equip participants with the mindset and tools needed to inspire others and achieve measurable results. For registration and more information on Emerging Leaders or other Minerva BC leadership programs like Women Leading the Way, Face of Leadership, and Learning to Lead, visit MinervaBC.ca. Featuring the people who make things happen in Prince George, you're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. And here is the final segment of Viewpoints on 93.1. And for our last story today, we go to Pontiac, Quebec, where Dr. Maurice Lamarche has been working as a physician for more than 45 years. And now he's hanging up his white coat as one of the longest serving members of the region's healthcare system. Dr. Maurice Lamarche said that at first he thought he would stay only for five years or so in the region. The rest is history. Originally from Hawkesbury, Lamarche studied at the University of Ottawa. He first worked in the emergency department of the Pontiac Hospital. Many decades have since passed. What advice would he give to a young doctor starting out in the area? Well, the same he got when he first arrived in town. Don't burn yourself out. Caleb Nickerson in Pontiac had a chat with Dr. LaMarche. So we're here with Dr. Morris LaMarche, soon soon to be re- retired here, uh, a long-time doctor in, in the Pontiac region. First off, uh, congrats on, on your retirement. And uh, can I ask you uh, why you decided uh, that right now would be the the time to retire? Well, I've been doing this for 47 years, and uh, I, I just thought that uh, it was time uh, after so many years. I, I, I need to spend more time with my wife and, and my family, and uh, it's just time. Jeez, 47 years, that's that's absolutely incredible. Yes, well, it's a, it's a long time. I, uh, I think I just took it one day at a time, and uh, I had lots of uh, help with uh, solid colleagues, uh, and uh, which certainly helped. As I mentioned, everything was uh, was stable, and I, you know, it was a good environment, interesting work, and uh, not that far from the city. And uh, what what would you say that you like uh, the most about practicing medicine? The detective work in medicine, in medicine, where we we try to find a diagnosis uh, with all the ancillary help that we have, uh, including, of course, radiology. And uh, yeah, that's one of the main features that I, that I like. And to be able to help people has always been, I think, ingrained in me. And sometimes this comes from the way we're brought up. The scientific aspect of it also has always been... Uh, something to me that is uh, very interesting and the fact maybe that it's, it's there's so much variety as well in medicine uh, no two cases are, are similar in some uh, and in some ways and um, and that um, helps to break down any monotony monotony that one may 
envisage. As far as advice, what, what would you say to a new doctor that's uh, just just arrived here in the Pontiac region specifically? What, what would you tell them as far as uh, some pointers here? Try not to overwork. Uh, try not to burn oneself. Uh, just um, do it at a certain, at a certain pace. I was given that advice when I arrived here by the director general at that time, who uh, had seen, uh, you know, other physicians burn out, and so uh, I took that advice, and I think it served me well. I think it uh, is worthwhile um, promoting for all physicians, new physicians. Dr. Lamarche, I want to thank you for your time, but uh, just to wrap up here, uh, I was wondering. Uh, I figure I'll give you the the last word here if you want to address uh, your patients or just the public in general. And uh, uh, do you have any sort of, uh, I guess, message for them uh, after so many years uh, serving this this region? I'm pleased to have served. The the people at the Pontiac are just great doing fundraising. They're doing all, all kinds of activities to help out their community. And so I admire this. And I, I hope this can continue. There is that the sense of community persists. Uh. Since this edition of Viewpoints, produced by the Local Journalism Initiative and presented by the Community Radio Fund of Canada in collaboration with campus and community radios throughout the country. You can also listen to our programs in French. They also present a wide variety of subjects covered by journalists working across Canada. Check them out and, of course, tune in to all the stories produced by our English-speaking journalists based in British Columbia, Alberta, Quebec, Ontario, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick. They can all be found on Canada. Canada-info.ca, Canada-info.ca. All of our stories are presented there on a daily basis. They allow us to discover Canada and our local communities from different perspectives and viewpoints. Thanks to our journalists Caleb Nickerson, Erica Butler, Craig Osoba, and Anastasia Avakumova. I'm Boris Shasai. Thanks for being with us. Goodbye. Points, a new program here on 93.1 CFIS FM, which you'll be able to hear every Monday night at 11. Just a special uh, sneak preview on this morning's After 9 program. We'll be back with uh, Phyllis and Steve, and I guess I'll be around as well to chat a little bit about the goings-on around Prince George in a moment.
Sexual harassment advice, response, and prevention, or SHARP, for workplaces, aims to increase public knowledge, skills, confidence, and competence in managing complex issues related to workplace sexual harassment and to improve access to legal supports and resources for people who experience workplace sexual harassment. A SHARP workplace is respectful, understands its legal responsibilities, and knows how to respond to and prevent sexual harassment. For more information on how to become a SHARP workplace, visit sharpworkplaces.org. Get ready, Prince George, for the B.C. Gourmet Arts Festival. Scheduled for June 10th through 12th at CN Centre, the B.C. Gourmet Arts Festival will showcase national gourmet producers alongside Northern B.C.'s top artists, artisans, and food producers. The weekend will also include a community barbecue celebrating our frontline workers, the P.G. Potter's Guild Great Northern Chili Cook-Off, and a celebrity chef tasting event. Full details are available at bcgourmet.ca. The B.C. Gourmet Arts Festival, June 10th to 12th, at CN Center. The University of Northern BC students can access new funding to support international travel related to their studies. The Traveling Knowledges Program provides financial support for up to 62 domestic undergraduate students in any discipline for trips ranging from three weeks to one year. Students can use the funds to help pay for travel, living, academic expenses, and more. Full details and related links to the Traveling Knowledges Program can be found through the news item at unbc.ca. Forecast from Environment Canada for today's sunny, wind from the north of 20K gusting to 40, a high of 9. Tonight clear, gusting north winds becoming light this evening, a low of minus 4. On Tuesday sunny, becoming a mix of sun and cloud near noon, wind from the southeast at 20, and a high of 11. Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Well, good morning. That was yeah. Fantastic. You're you're in the host chair, so I thought you should start. Oh well, I was waiting for you guys. You know, right. like I I thought that one of you guys would have picked up the ring. So so no echo this morning. It's it's just not the same. I know. You know, it, it's really sad that she can't come today, but no, she well. needs to take care of herself too. That's yes. the utmost. I did put in a call to the mayor of Prince George to see if he would come on the show, but. Today is uh, council meeting night, so he's a little bit too busy. I was going to ask him about the curling event and how well it went. Uh, it seemed to do very well. Well, it's hard to judge something like this. If it was a hockey tournament, you know whether or not it's good, t- attendance-wise, as to whether it sells out. Right. But with curling, I don't know it, what kind of crowds they normally get for for the World Women's. Well- it looked quite busy there. Oh, it, it was, but it was only half full. Uh, even I think the largest crowd was for the bronze medal game where uh, Canada uh, went up against Sweden, and uh, still only about half full. So, yeah, uh, but then you looked out into the parking lot, and it was quite full in the parking lot. Well, sure, because every person brings a vehicle. It's, well, of course, it's Prince George. You can't uh, you can't team up with people. Are you going to join in on this conversation there, uh, Stephen? Because you probably you probably saw more of the event than I did. I, I watched quite a bit of it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I watched quite a bit. I, of it. I was at CN Center for every draw that Canada was in, but it's hard to watch four games at once. Yes. <laughs> it's really distracting. And then you have this mascot in the stands, Slider. He's goofing around. You hear people 
chuckling, so you look away to see what he's doing, and then you miss the shot. That the shot. <laughs> yes. going on? And so, yeah. But luckily, they had the big screens, so sometimes you could catch the replay, but you had to sort of train yourself to be watching up there all the time. Well, Turkey captured the audience's heart. Oh, yeah. Yes. Everybody loved the, the yeah. Turkish team, and they... Uh, uh, I, at one point, I, the, the guy in the arena kept showing them on the video and getting a, a response from the crowd. And at, at one point, I'm thinking, man, if I was Team Turkey, I, I would say, oh, all right, that's enough already. Yeah, <laughs> you know, enough. we're here. To, we're here to sit, relax and enjoy the game. Quit showing us on the stupid jumbotron because we, we have to then have to wave and. You know, yeah, but smile. I think they did really good oh, for their first appearance. They and, did and very well. And uh, they were big a big tournament. Team. Yeah, they were tiny. They were small, small well, girls. thin. I yeah, mean, they were uh, small girls. Yeah, fairly tall though. Most of them, I thought, compared to, well, Korea, very small, very tiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so uh, Team Canada picking up the bronze, uh, beating Sweden eight seven. Took them eleven innings. Took them an innings ends. 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 <laughs> I kept yeah. The way the scoreboard is, I keep thinking of baseball because yeah. there's a top and bottom, top and but bottom, there's only yeah. ever one score on that, right? Exactly. Yeah, we're in the bottom of the ninth. Yeah. <laughs> no. And uh, Switzerland uh, undefeated. They they cruised. Oh I, my goodness. I don't goodness. think uh, there were. I think the toughest games they had were against Sweden, but. I never really thought it was in doubt. I think it would have been different had Scotland played. You Uh, know, them getting COVID so early. It might have, but I don't think it made a huge difference. Well, they did play two games, didn't they? Well, they they did play two games and just to... Did they win both? No, no, No. they lost both. They were getting sick, guys. Come on. Well, and they were playing with just three three players. Uh, Their first game, they lost to Sweden, Switzerland, 12-1. And the second game was against the Czech Republic, and they lost 10-9. And the Czech Republic... uh, they were also in a situation that was a little difficult for them because they were a last minute replacement when when it was well, when it was last minute uh after three other teams had well yeah teams but in front of them, but I they think. were yeah there were other teams that were yeah, invited no, instead first. of Czechs, yeah. the Czech Republic but it, it was only uh, you know a week before so the notes. tournament that they yeah. were so hey, you're going nothing yeah <laughs> so is yeah a bit of a not a surprise that they didn't do well because there was really no prep time no, for them to no, get ready no. but uh anyway and that's the team that Turkey beat was the Czech Republic so oh uh, yeah. yeah okay so other but those than those are the teams that you want to see back again, you know. Well, yes and no. Uh, when I look at the uh, the World uh, Curling Federation rankings of teams, the number one team wasn't even here. The number one ranked team is the uh, Eve Muirhead team from Great Britain, the team that won the the gold at the, gold, the Olympics, yeah. right? So they weren't here. The top Japanese team wasn't here. It was a younger team that uh, was curling for them. Uh, Satsuki Fu- uh, Fujisawa, that team wasn't here. Um, and uh, Tabitha Peter- Peterson from the U.S. There, She's the top-ranked U.S. team, and she wasn't here. It was Corey Christensen who's ranked 41st. So there were teams that you sort of expected to be here that weren't here. Now, whether that was COVID-related 
or the fact that it was an Olympic year. I don't know. I imagine there's a number of factors in there. But, yeah, the, there was only four teams in the top ten world rankings that were at the tournament. Wow. And those are the four that played for the medals. Go wow. figure. Yeah. There you go. Very informative. Yeah. So the, you were there all week? Uh, as much as I could be. It was kind of tough keeping things back done point. here and, <laughs> and then running point. back there. And But, yeah, I saw a lot of curling. Mm-hmm. Uh, how dominant is Canada in curling, you ask? Oh, you didn't ask? Well, I I'm telling ask, you anyway. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. I, don't think I have the, the top 30 ranked teams in the world. Yeah. 18 of them are Canadian. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And, and not just that, but the coaches <laughs> at the World uh, Women's Curling Championship, the uh, U.S. coach, coach of the U.S. team, Canadian, mm-hmm. coach of the Sweden team, Canadian. Canadian. Coach of the Switzerland team that won it all, Canadian. Yeah, they were saying there was quite a few Canadian coaches. coaches yeah, and, you know. and, and I was talking with uh, one gentleman who's quite knowledgeable about that, and he said, "Well, it, it's actually not as not quite as predominant as it used to be because it used to be that China had a Canadian coach and and Japan and Korea, but they've all." Uh, learn the game so well that yeah. they have their own coaches now, right? And but still it's doing quite well. Understandable that you'd be taught by the Canadian. Well, sure. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Well, why aren't we being taught by the Scots? They invented the game. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Bring back Scotland. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we got to give another shout out to a Canadian team. Oh. Canadian uh, soccer. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. We are going to the World Cup. Yes, that is just fantastic news. Or you nothing know. over Jamaica. Yes, Jamaica man. All right. Mm-hmm. In the light snow flurries. Where was that played? In Toronto, wasn't was it? it? Yeah, Toronto? It was Toronto. Okay. Yeah. 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 It wasn't in Jamaica. No. <laughs> in Jamaica, no. that's for sure. Not with light snow flurries. No. All right. But that would have so been a shocker. Go. Yeah. I think we'll uh, go to a break and uh, we'll be right back. The Indigenous Sport, Physical Activity and Recreation Council has three employment opportunities available. iSpark is currently looking for a grant manager, a senior manager for their food systems program, and a senior manager for communications and recognition programs. Full details for each position are available through their website, iSpark.ca. Applications will be accepted until the positions are filled. That's the Indigenous Sport, Physical Activity, and Recreation Council with three employment opportunities. Full details available at iSpark.ca. College of New Caledonia Community and Continuing Education has the training you need to pivot in your career. Learn the fundamentals of medical technology in both written and spoken forms with the Medical Technology course. Students must have strong English skills and the ability to handle a challenging workload. The course runs Tuesday and Thursday evenings from 6 to 9, starting May 3rd through June 21st. Contact Community and Continuing Education at CNC for more information. Registration deadline is Monday, April 18th. When Mums the Word hits the stage at Theatre Northwest, you can expect an earful. Written by six women, all of them mothers, Mums the Word features women being asked to describe motherhood. Theatre Northwest is hoping audience members will have the opportunity to share their stories at the end of each performance. Mums the Word is on stage at Theatre Northwest in the Park Hill Centre from April 14th to May 4th. Tickets for Mums the Word are on sale now at theaternorthwest.com. 
Businesses in the electoral areas of the regional district of Fraser Fort George interested in giving their buildings a facelift can now apply for a one-time grant. Eligible businesses can receive a 50% reimbursement for up to $5,000 to complete exterior improvements such as building facades, signage, murals, architectural features, siding, lighting, and awnings. More information on the regional district's facade improvement grant is available at rdffg.bc.ca. The application deadline is May 31st. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Well, we're back again, and that was a nice little break we had. But you know what's happening around town this week? Was that it, a nice little break? Yes, it was. Okay. Yes. It's, uh, it's, it's cold, cold snap. snap week. I know. It's a little chilly out there, but it's nice and sunny. It's going to warm up. Mm-hmm. So uh, not the normal uh, winter weather we experience usually with cold snap. The yeah. cool part about cold snap I've always found is the workshops. Yes. And the neat thing about them is they are absolutely free. Yeah. And what do we have for workshops? Oh. Do you have the list there? Yes, I do have the list. It's amazing how it showed up on on the desk here. Yeah. Um, on Tuesday, March 29th from 12 to 1 um, and celebrate Heritage and Healing. Ah. And it's hosted by the North Sound. Okay. And um, there's another one Wednesday at the same time, 12 to 1, um, and it's called The Stories, The Instruments, The Songs. And that is hosted by Linda McRae and Doug Cox. Thursday's workshop is how. Oh, to we should mention those are at Omni Card Center. Oh yes. Yeah, the the uh, workshops are being put on at the Omni Card Center. Very good. Okay. Oh. Yeah, I, I was just trying to find that it. on the list. I just found it. Oh, well, there it is. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay, so, so the Thursday, next one is yeah. how to use music as medicine. Ah. And that sounds pretty good because they have been starting to use music for senior centers and getting people motivated. Re- and, yeah, and really know. good, really good for people suffering with dementia, I, might, yes. I believe, as well. Right? Yes. So. Yeah, a lot of different applications for that. Yeah, you know, and that's going to be hosted by Sarah Smith. And that's noon to one Thursday. Yes. Okay. Same place. Yeah. And then Friday we have the Res Blues, Mm -hmm. which sounds um, interesting. Okay. You know, um, and that's Murray. Murray Porter. Yes, and uh, Elaine. Bomberry. Yeah. I'm not... She must be part of his group because yeah. I don't have her listed as a, an artist separate from him. Yeah, so that's uh, Friday's workshop again, noon to one, and then the final is it the final workshop? Yeah, Saturday. Yes, it is. Uh, introduction to drum making and traditional techniques with Guy Prince. I believe teachings. He's, oh, sorry. What did I say? Techniques. Okay, teachings. Close. Yeah, that was really uh, close guy, for Monday guy morning. Guy Prince, is, is he a local guy, do you know? Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's noon to three. So that's that's a big workshop, that one. And it's got an asterisk on it. It says, capacity is limited for the drum making workshop, and drum making kits must be purchased in advance. So if you if you want to take in that one, you have to go go to uh, coldsnapfestival.com to make sure you have your, your kit so you can learn how to make a drum. And that would be very interesting. 
Yeah. I think so, you know, um, just to open up the door to different techniques and and culture. Yes. Yes. Very good. All right. So that is what's happening this week. For the workshops. Yes. Plenty of uh, concerts still, though. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, different places that they're performing at. The Canadian Legion, Knox. Yeah, I didn't realize that that was part of Cold Snap, but the the Legion performance featuring Brian Porter, uh, or sorry, the Brain Porter, uh, Seb and Chloe, and Cold South. And that those are all local artists. And uh, that's tomorrow evening, 7.30 at the Legion. I mm-hmm. believe for that one, you just uh, pay a cover charge at the door. The other ones, you would need uh, an advanced ticket, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But if you go to coldsnapfestival.com, yeah, it, all that necessary all that. information would be there. That is true. You know. And then all the performances will be at the Knox Performance Venue. Right. Formerly known as the Trinity United Downtown formerly known as Knox United, United. Church. On Fifth, On Fifth. Avenue. Yeah, near yes. Victoria Street. Yeah. Yes. And it's really nice that they're using one of our heritage buildings and, and being able to, you know, put it as something different. Yeah, use it, uh, get more use out of it. And uh, that's one thing about, actually, quite a few churches in town have really good auditorium-style seating Four concerts, and then the acoustics are amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of nice to have that. Um, yeah. So Wednesday evening, seven thirty, is Guitar Masters, featuring the North Sound and Lind- Linda McRae with Doug Cox. She uh, usually does solo stuff, but I guess she's teamed up with Doug Cox for this show. Uh, Thursday music is medicine again at Knox Performance Venue. Uh, Carl Wisson, a local artist, and the Sarah Smith Trio. Uh, Friday is, they're calling it a Grand Friday, uh, featuring Maria Dunn and Murray Porter. And then Saturday, the big wrap-up will be uh, a show they're calling Sensational Singers with Hasatuk and Clarel. And all performances, 7.30 in the evening. And again, tickets available through coldsnapfestival.com. Does that sound right? Yes. Anything else you want to add about that? No. No. No, you're doing so well. This is a talk show. You're supposed to talk. (laughs) Well, I'm trying to. Okay. Yes. But, you know, it's fantastic that we get this wide variety of people coming in and performing. At this time of the mm-hmm. year, you know, it's just to snap us out of that winter mood and into the spring. And I think it's very well done. Do you have a, uh, a favorite among the artists that have yet to play? Or? Well, I would be interested in seeing uh, Linda McRae and ah. Doug Cox. Okay. Yeah, Linda's quite uh, very rootsy, rootsy country, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite on the on the list is has uh, got to be Murray Murray Porter. I was lucky enough to catch him uh, at the uh, Canada Games performances. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Back in, was it twenty fifteen? I think it was. 
Wasn't long that? time ago yeah. already. Seems like a long time ago now. But, yeah, a really good blues man. And, oh, really? And he's out of North Vancouver. On that show with him is Maria Dunn. Uh, she's more folk-oriented, mm-hmm. but I think a pretty good combo there. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think that would go hand in hand. Oh, for sure. Folk and blues, you know. Yep. Um, and that's, what night is that? Uh, that is uh, Friday night. Oh, yeah. No fooling. No fooling. April yeah, 1st. April 1st. But, yeah, that would be a really good show to take in that With night. With April, April 1st being on Friday, should we have uh, Alan Wishart on the... On the panel. <laughs> there you go. There's our April Fool for there you. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That'll toss one in the fire. <laughs> yeah. Liven him up a bit. Yeah. Yes. Okay. But, well, Phyllis, yeah. you got yourself uh, just under a minute here, so what oh. else do you want to add? Um, I just want to put a shout out for tomorrow's show. Eric, um, he's having Dr. Uh, Mara Hay. Um, regarding the plastic plant on coming back to Prince George. So people should watch that or listen to it tomorrow. And I want to just give a shout out to Echo. You take care of my friend and thinking of you. After 9 is a daily presentation of CFISFN. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Echo Wiley, Trudy Clausen, and Rez Krebs. Executive producer is Reg Fair with technical assistance from Stephen Smith. Additional contributors include CBC News and the National Campus and Community Radio Association. Theme music is by The Ebbs. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca. CA.